Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan live from the Lakeland University Studios now offering co-op credit for work experience. Learn your way. At lakeland.edu. Again, learn your way at lakeland.edu. Steve Sparky Fiverr, AR Adam Roberts, other side of the glass. And uh, on today's show, we're going to catch up with Donald Chillis from the College Sports Show. Uh, normally uh, throughout college football and college basketball season. I'm sure we'll probably have him raring and ready to go coming up uh, this fall. Uh, I want to get his thoughts on everything Badgers uh, and college football right now. These SEC media days going on, Big Ten media days uh, coming up. Greg Gard will be one of uh, the people in attendance, plus uh, numerous other athletes, including Graham Mertz. Got to say, I don't think I would have sent him. I don't think I would have. I I think I would have stayed away from sending Graham Mertz, but either way. Um, So we'll talk to him, Badger uh, football, uh, coming up here in the uh, next segment of the show. Saw this on a Twitter. Uh, this comes from, again, the SEC media days, like I said, are going on uh, right now. Uh, and this is from Kevin Clark, uh, who uh, is a senior writer and talker over at Ringer. And this comes from 24-7 Sports, talking about uh, Quay Walker, the Packers' number one pick, the linebacker, inside linebacker, about how he kind of bullied Kirby Smart a little bit. Halfway through last season, Kirby Smart began to think he should come cut back some. The Bulldogs thudded in practice every Thursday, and Smart was concerned about injuries. Over time, his coaches had the same sentiment. They take the pads off on Thursday to give the team a break. The change happened about midway through the season. That first Thursday without pads, Walker, senior linebacker and future first-round pick, ambled over to Smart to deliver a message. Coach, you done gone soft as hell, Walker said. We ain't never took these pads off on a Thursday. Smart thought about it, and Walker was right. The pads would go back on after that. You know, um, th- this is this is my thing. So, 
if we're if if we're gonna deem it soft by taking off the pads, then he's about to be in for the soft NFL because they're not allowing you to run nearly as much as probably what you are running in college uh, from that perspective. But this is what I do like. Okay, what I do like is his willingness as a leader on that defense to go to the coach and voice what his thought is and maybe what the thoughts of his teammates are uh, and not to be afraid not to say anything. That, to me, regardless if you agree or disagree with the statement, is good leadership. And anytime you can add another leader to a locker room, I think that's a positive, regardless of how everything else plays out. He definitely has some leadership, it looks like, capabilities to him, AR. I would. This would be a good question, I think, for Gary or Leroy when it comes to players in the younger rungs of the team structure, your rookies, your second years, being more vocal components in the locker room and how that meshes and gels or maybe doesn't perhaps with older veteran players. But you know, you, I read something like that, and I, I have to kind of agree with you. It's better, I think, to see someone in a rookie position like Quay be this kind of person that's like, hey, man, I'm noticing this, and I don't think that's right. We should reconsider this. You don't have to do it. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other, but just know that this doesn't seem right. So do with that what you will. You know, that's that's um, the thing that we talk about all the time when we talk about uh, drafts and how this all goes on. So, like, you just had the amateur draft for, for Major League Baseball. Th- before that, you had the NBA draft. Before that, the NFL draft. And so much of it truly is how talented you are, right? Obviously, that is a huge factor and the majority of the reason why somebody gets drafted is how talented they are. How good of a player are they at what they're being drafted to do? Um, then part of it is what is the upside um, and how much more of a ceiling is there for that player and how much better that player can get. So often in the NBA, you hear the term of, uh, yeah, very good player, not much of a ceiling. Meaning, uh, he's a senior in college, don't really think he can get all that much better. Um, so, you know, he's going to fall maybe in the first round. But uh, that 19-year-old has a ton of room to grow because he hasn't played anything other than one year of college basketball, we can coach him up and groom him and get him to that ceiling um, quicker, uh, maybe, uh, and do it our way versus him sitting in college with their coaching staffs, uh, coaching them up. uh, And that's kind of the difference. And that is irritating, I think, to a degree for a lot of guys um, that, you know, the longer I stay in college, the more my, my draft stock may fall because they may not view my ceiling to be as much. But, but that's part of it, okay? The third part to all of this when we start talking about drafts is character, is the person uh, that you're bringing in. And then how much research is really done by that front office to scout you as far as who you are in the locker room? Who are you when things aren't going well? Who are you away from the field? Who are you rolling with away from the field? Um, you know, do you have a family? Do you have kids? All, all of that stuff. You're going to do your research, especially when you're talking about dropping millions of dollars on somebody. You want to know as much as you can about that person 
prior to drafting that person. That's why when you go to the NFL Combine, you know, you got these guys meeting with whole teams in a hotel room or whatever. Uh, you go to the Senior Bowl, these guys are having meetings with teams uh, at the Senior Bowl in the NFL. Uh, the NBA brings in guys for uh, workouts and takes them out to dinner with a coach and the general manager and maybe a player or two and everybody gets their take on what they think of the person. That all goes into this. So when you read this Quay Walker thing, um, uh, talking uh, about you know Quay Walker essentially getting all over Kirby Smart for taking practices off on a Thursday in the middle of the season, saying uh, that Kirby Smart has gone soft, uh, and then Kirby Smart essentially changing his mind and agreeing with Quay Walker of to hell with it. If we get guys hurt, if we get worn down, whatever, but I'm not going to be called soft. I'm not going soft. We'll print the pads back on. Okay, fine. Do what you got to do. You got to live with that. But again, it's another deal where leadership is part of what you want to find out. Who are those leaders? Who are those vocal leaders? Who are those leaders by example? And then how does that mesh in with what you're trying to do in your locker room? For instance, uh, it was Goran Dragic who talked about the Nets last year when he got there, you know, towards the end of the season because he couldn't get a deal done with the Bulls that he wanted to get done. So he gets there, and he talks about the fact that that was not a team. That was a bunch of individuals trying to do their own thing, and that was not really a great situation. And that is the fault of Marks, the general manager, to a degree, because he just said, to hell with it, we're going to go with you know the three best players I can get my hands on. That'll be good enough. Screw chemistry and all that other stuff. We're just going to go this way and see if we can make it work. What made Miami Miami was Wade, Bosch, and LeBron, they were all friends. They were all down with each other. Like, this was a thing they wanted to do. That's why that made sense and was able to work. Durant and Kyrie and Harden, well, Durant and Harden, you know, were guys. Durant and Kyrie were guys. Those three, on the other hand, I'm not sure how much they were actually together until that whole thing went down. Um, and then you had the Kyrie COVID thing where I'm not getting a vaccine, in which case now I can't play these certain home games. I'm only going to play on the road. I can't practice at home. All this other stuff that was going on, which continued to be a further distraction, that kind of messed up team chemistry. And the one thing you can point at with the Brewers, Council has been able to keep that team together usually more times than not, uh, pulling in the right direction and putting the right guys from a character standpoint and personality standpoint in that clubhouse that fit. You can say the same thing, I think, about the Bucks these last several years. Putting pieces into that locker room that makes sense, that will work with Middleton, that will work with Giannis going forward. You know, making that Drew Holiday deal, that Drew Holiday deal made sense on the floor, but off the floor, they knew the dude. They knew he did a ton of stuff off the floor uh, and away from the team. Uh, inside the city of New Orleans with charities and all these other things that he had going on. He was a good dude. And they were happy to put a good dude with two other good dudes in Middleton and Giannis. That was part of it. Um, and then you add the pieces around that and hope that you add enough character guys into that that locker room that it doesn't become a distraction, that it doesn't become a problem. And I think for the most part to this point, they've really been pretty good at staying within what they're what they're trying to do. And I think when you look at the Packers with Quay Walker and some of these other guys uh, that they're bringing in through the draft or through free agency – You're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to bring guys in that fit into the mold of what you're trying to build. You're trying to bring guys in that fill into the locker room 
and the chemistry that you're trying to build. And if they fit the different check marks as you're going through the process of building a roster, then you go get that person. Now, there are others across sports that don't really care about chemistry, that really don't care about all this stuff, and they're just trying to get as many talented guys as they can and then essentially put it on the head of the coach and the coaching staff to help build that chemistry and get these guys all playing in the same uh, same manner and you know be able to make it work off the field and off the court as well. And a lot of times it ends up not working off the field and off the court because it's not a cohesive unit. You have a lot of individual things going on or a lot of clicks going on, and it simply does not work. I did 10 minutes off of one Quay Walker quote. That was amazing. Go ahead, AR. And the whole time I'm thinking when you mentioned specifically Miami with that whole situation of Dragic saying that it's just a bunch of singular individuals, it's not a cohesive team, that just makes me kind of appreciate Eric Spolstra a little bit more as a head coach for the fact that this guy, I'm just looking at his record, the last three years, winning records, had a down year in 18, but for the most part, he's got 660 wins, and he's done it since LeBron, Bosch, and Wade left in many ways by managing a group of singular individuals and still making that team, you may not like them, but they're consistently first or second in their division, but constantly again, competing. But, but, th- but think about that now for a second, right? So the key to Spolstra and Riley and what they do in Miami is uh, there's a certain type of personality that will fit into what they want to do with Jimmy Butler and Bam and those guys. A certain type of personality. You are not going to put a, for lack of a better term, softer person into that locker room that doesn't like being pushed, that can't handle being yelled at, uh, and doesn't have that quote-unquote dog in them, and expect it to come out a lot at the end of the day. The reason why Jimmy Butler didn't work in Minnesota with Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns was... They didn't mesh. Their personalities were completely different. He was trying to impose his will on them, and those two guys didn't want it. They wanted to be who they were and didn't want to change and didn't want to get down doing it the way Jimmy Butler did. What makes Jimmy Butler who he is is that grind and that effort and that dog or whatever. I don't know. There's got to be a better term than dog. But whatever, inside of him that gets him to get to that next level mentally and physically throughout his season in in big moments of games and so forth. And then you put guys around him that feed off of that or have that similar mentality, that's how you build uh, a team. Same with Milwaukee and what they do. Would Jimmy Butler fit with what these guys do in Milwaukee? I don't know. It's different now because Giannis is the guy on this team. So Jimmy Butler couldn't roll in and go, oh, it's my team. That's not going to happen. But in Miami, it is his team. Now, if they make that trade for KD and Durant comes walking in, is it still Jimmy's team or is it KD's team now? Well, he's going to do everything he can to make sure he knows it's my team. But that's just it. And then how does that dynamic work and would that work? And how would they all get along? I. See that that's that's a whole thing about it, and that's part of you know building rosters and building teams. Us uh, building a uh, speaking of building teams and building rosters, we got to talk to our guy Donwood Chillis, Scott Sports. So here during the fall and the spring here on WSSP, we're going to talk about this uh, Badgers situation uh, as Big Ten Media Day is getting ready to get going here, and talk about Graham Mertz. And I'm going to read him some of the numbers I read to Gary Ellerson earlier in the Wendy's Big Show and get his thoughts on Graham Mertz. That's coming up next here. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee. Emeralds. Welcome in. It is 
Sparks Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM. The Fan as we broadcast live from the Lakeland University studios, offering evening online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Joining us now is our guy, Don Wachillis from the College Sports Show. You hear here on WSSP for the last several years talking college football uh, and college basketball. Don, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. You bet. Good afternoon, Sparky. Adam, good to be with you. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk about this uh, piece. I referenced it earlier today on the big show from Badger Wire. Uh, Dylan Graff wrote it, discussing Graham Mertz's struggles by the numbers. And I uh, want to get your thoughts on Graham Mertz here. Graham Mertz, 13-7 and seven and 20 career starts. 60.8% completion percentage, 3,269 yards, 19 touchdowns, 16 picks, 123.5 passer efficiency rating. Okay, Uh, let's see. According to uh, Pro Football Focus, when UW kept the pocket clean, the Kansas native completed 66.5% of his passes last season. However, when facing pressure, the junior senior caller completed an abysmal 37.8% of his passes when facing pressure. On a more troubling note, eight of Mertz's 11 interceptions last season came while throwing from a clean pocket, according to Pro Football Focus. How about this one? Taking it a step further, his on-target rate when throwing deep balls last year was ranked 511 out of 513 qualified quarterbacks over the previous five seasons. According to Pro Football Focus, of his 41 pass attempts that traveled 20 or more yards down the field, Mertz connected with just with his receivers just 11 times for good for 26 0.8% completion rate. Now, the offensive line did rank 98th out of 130 Division One programs in pass blocking last season as well, according to Pro Football Focus. How much improvement can we really expect to see from Graham Mertz at this point? I, I really don't know, Steve. I wish I had a better answer than I don't know, but that's kind of where I'm at. This is a make-or-break year for Graham Mertz. If Graham Mertz has very little progress being made on the football field. I think we're going to be talking about Grand Mertz being in the transfer portal by next year, looking for another school and a fresh start. Now, with all that said, my hope is that there will be progress. I think one of the things we've talked about on our show quite frequently is anytime we have high expectations, we are let down. When we have no expectations, that's when the team seems to excel. So right now, I don't have any expectations until I see Graham Mertz get on the football field. I mean, you went through all of those numbers. And the fact that we all were so excited when he played Illinois, his first Big Ten game, he goes 20-21, five touchdowns. We all know the story, gets COVID, and it's been a nightmare ever since. So with the new offensive coordinator, hopefully – with some retooling of some of the finer elements that he's going to need with his skill set, my hope is that it will improve. Realistically, how much will it improve? That's just going to remain to be seen, which I know doesn't make for great talk, but I really don't have high expectations for Graham Mertz going into this year. I don't have high expectations for the Badger football team going into this year, so those go hand in hand because without having much faith in the quarterback, it's hard to have much faith in a football team. Uh, And then that offensive line, that becomes another area of concern as well because, again, that has always been a strength of the Badgers. One thing for certain, you're going to have a great offensive line and you're going to run the ball well and be able to protect the quarterback. Braylon Allen was a beast, obviously, uh, and even with him being a beast, you would think that would help get some clean pockets for Graham Mertz. And maybe it did help get more clean pockets than he would have had had he not had Braylon Allen back there. 
but that to me is an is another big thing because if he doesn't have time, he's really going to be in an impossible situation. Oh, in an impossible situation to say the least. When you know if you're ineffective passing the ball, what do you do? You're handing it off and you're putting the workload on Braylon Allen, who showed he can handle it. But if you're a defensive coordinator and you know you've got a quarterback who is inaccurate throwing the football, you know where the tendency is going to go, and that is to run the football with Braylon Allen. And so it's much easier to scheme against this Badger team if this young man hasn't figured out some of the finer skill sets necessary to perform at the Big Ten level or at any Division I college level. I mean, so highly touted coming out of college and, and the list of schools you know, we've gone over relentlessly during that recruiting process, and we were all excited when he came in, and at least to this point, it hasn't manifested itself on the field. What about Braylon Allen? How good do you think this kid's going to be by the time this whole thing uh, is said and done at Wisconsin? I mean, we've seen big backs like Ron Dane right. uh, come through here and be that guy, and Jonathan Taylor even was kind of a bruising back with some breakaway speed to go along with it. Where do you see him uh, – you know, when he's all said and done, where do you think he ranks? I think, Steve, as long as we get an offensive line that is adequate, not even great, just adequate, better than last year, because last year to me wouldn't even achieve to that level as far as a grading system would go. But if we can get an offensive line that is adequate, we're looking at a young man who I think we'd be talking about in those aforementioned, like Jonathan Taylor and Ron Dane. I think he could be at that level, his power, his speed. He's an exceptional running back, and I think once he's done with his tenure at Wisconsin, we're going to be hearing about him at the next level, much like we're talking about Jonathan Taylor now with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, because if you look at Jonathan Taylor's workload in Indianapolis last year, it was by far and away by like 100 carries more than anybody else in the National Football League. And then you look at his carries uh, that go along with – his time at Wisconsin, and I think that kind of is a fear factor if I'm a running back of, dude, I mean, if I'm going to be this workhorse at Wisconsin like Dane was, um, and then I'm going to get to the NFL, I'm really going to shorten my career here if I'm taking a ton of carries in college. Yeah, I mean, that's always the worry when it comes to running backs. And so Wisconsin has been what Wisconsin has been, which is heavily dominant on the running game. The NFL slightly different, even though Jonathan Taylor is probably the outlier because of the quarterback situation last year in Indianapolis. So I think if he can remain healthy and he, you know, talking about Braylon Allen, if he can remain healthy, I, I don't know in this day and age of training and all of the elements that go into preparing these guys for the next level. I'm not sure barring injury, it's as big of a concern as it was maybe even 10 years ago. Time with Down with Chills, College Sports Show here. I'm in the fall and the spring here on uh, 12.50 a.m. The Fan. Uh, what what about uh, this conversation going on right now that Nick Saban is kind of leading the way on uh, <laughs> about, uh, you know, he's worried about these NIL and worried yeah. about expanding conferences um, and, and trying to get to the point of parity and competitive balance. Um, and, and he is not letting this go. Uh, and get, when Gary and I briefly talked about it, Gary's like, well, did he think that existed prior to this? Um, because w- obviously none of, nobody thinks it existed prior to this. My only thing is, well, I guess I got a couple of things. Uh, number one, I mean, I think you could essentially cap the NIL and say, 
you know, every organization in D1 is allowed to spend this much money. Once you get to that point, um, that's the end of it. Our team's going to still work around it and figure out other ways, probably, but at least you're making an attempt to try and slow it down. The other aspect of it that you could do, if you really were striving to do this, then you simply only allow so many five-star and four-star kids uh, at different programs. If you wanted to uh, to really fix this, just say, hey, every program can have three five-star kids. Every program can have you know 15 four-star kids or 12 four-star kids. Uh, and then after that, the rest of it uh, kind of has to be whittled down. You'd find parity quick because then you would be have to be forced for these schools to pick the best of the best of who they were going to go get. And then once they're capped, they're capped. And now these other really talented players would be playing at other programs and therefore upping the game for these other programs. And you would have more competitive balance and more parity. Both are pipe dreams, probably down with Chillis, but that would be my suggestion. Steve, what you're talking about is looking at parity and competitive balance in its purest form. And, and the things that you just put out there are all things that could work. Nick Saban is talking about it from a perspective of, I'm worried. I've been in control of college football for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I've been the dominant figure, and now NIL has come in, and it's affecting my recruiting. And I've been the big dog, and I'm about to lose my power, and that's not sitting well with me. So now I'm going to play the competitive balance, fair play. We should all be on the same page. They've never been. Alabama's not been on the same page as anybody else around the country, with the exception at times of maybe a Clemson. You can name some other schools that at times have been there. But as far as duration goes, Alabama has been head and shoulders above everybody else. And now those other schools are starting to catch up because of things like NIL and the transfer portal. And the transfer portal to me is a whole different scenario that really needs to be addressed. But the fact that his his reign as the supreme being of college football is being threatened, suddenly now we're raising our hands and we're using, as you mentioned, competitive balance and parity uh, it, it's the wrong person in my mind to be throwing that out there. There are other people who are more credible in my eyes, even though Nick Saban is a fantastic college football coach. There are more people out there that could speak to those elements of parity and competitive balance other than he and make it more in the sense of being worthwhile that we need to listen to this. Every time I hear Nick Saban talk about it, Steve, I just, I see a guy who's losing his grip on the dominance he's had in college football. And it's, in my mind, almost like somebody's crying wolf. But you know what? The other part about this is, and, and Lane Kiffin brought it up, I believe it was yesterday, and said his biggest problem with all of this is going to be what if the boosters end up running your team? Meaning, you know, yeah. these boosters decide they want this kid, the coach doesn't, and they say, too bad, we want him, we're paying him. You better play him and start him because we're giving him X amount of money. And now the boosters are building these college rosters uh, with guys they want or have relationships with parents or friends or whatever the case may be uh, and putting them on these rosters and their coaches essentially kind of lose control over who's on their team and who isn't. The boosters are continuing to be more influential. Let's not kid ourselves. The boosters have had tremendous impact on coaches, whether we're talking basketball, football, baseball in certain areas. They've had a tremendous impact on what coaches are staying and what coaches are leaving because we're footing the bill for a lot of this stuff and we're not happy. And because we're not happy, we're looking at the athletic director saying, 
you better get rid of so-and-so because this isn't happening. Now it's another area in which the boosters can assert some privilege, some power. And I think some of these coaches who, for the most part, were feeling as if they were solidified in their positions, now they've got this other angle that they've got to keep and defend in order to keep their jobs, which are very lucrative and being paid by those boosters. So again, the NCAA has failed really. And I know they don't have reign anymore over like the college football championships and such, but as much as they talk about student athletes and we're in it to provide these young men and these young women with academics, as well as the ability to perform at a high level, them not coming in and providing some sort of guardrail system to what you were mentioning before, any sort of guardrail system when we talk about NIL or we talk about the transfer portal. Instead, we let everything go, and then we'll see what happens. And then when everybody gets up in arms, then we'll put some things out there. But in the meantime, you've got a lot of young men and young women whose lives aren't necessarily playing out the way it should Because if you even look now at the transfer portal, look how many kids are stuck in that transfer portal who have not been picked up by anyone. So I leave a team. The coach isn't going to take me back as much as they say they will. That coach isn't taking me back because I've offended that coach by going in the transfer portal. Now I'm sitting in the transfer portal and there aren't any other coaches right now interested in my skill set. And here I am. And yet the NCAA who wants to tout the academics and safety of these athletes is failing to put some guardrails, some parameters around it to make sure these young men and young women don't end up in situations like that. Listen, all of these, all of these young men and young women, for somebody my age, they're kids and kids make mistakes. Kids think they know it all, right? Teenagers, teenagers think they're worldly and have done everything and they know better than everybody else. And when you're young, you feel powerful. You feel like nothing in the world will stop you. Sometimes there needs to be some guardrails set up to help protect. Yes, they're old enough to make their own decisions, but sometimes they're misled. Sometimes they're a little bit bit misled by their own ego. And sometimes you've got to put things out there to help them out. He is Don with Chills. Catch him on College Sports Show. Obviously, fall and spring here on WSSP. Don, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate the time, guys. Have a great day. You bet you take care. There he is, Don with Chillis, joining us here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Tim Dillard, whose birthday is uh, today, and what we didn't know was uh, the Nashville Sounds announced earlier today that they're going to retire his jersey down in Nashville coming up at the end of next week. He failed to bring that up, and we failed to bring it up because we didn't know uh, during our interview earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show. But we got into a lot of different uh, elements of this Brewers team going into the second half. You'll hear that coming up next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sparks Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM. The fans, the Sparky Pfeiffer with you. Toby Altizer in with the Fan Afternoon Show. He comes up next from 3 until 6 this afternoon. All-Star Game coming up tonight. Not sure how many of you will be tuned in uh, to watch the All-Star Game one way or the other. It doesn't appear we'll have uh, Corbin Burns. Uh, Devin Williams, I guess, would be the one guy you'll have a chance to see. Josh Hader obviously also chose uh, or did choose not to go stay home with his family and stuff. Uh, instead, which is completely acceptable and fine. So I'm sure a lot of you will be tuned in for the All-Star game coming up later tonight. Tim Dillard joined us, the former Brewers pitcher and, of course, uh, co-host uh, with Craig Kishon, Brewers pre- and post-game on Bally Sports Wisconsin. Also fills in for Rock when he's off. Uh, him and Craig, uh, him and I should say Vinny Rotino both fill in for Rock when he is off. Uh, so he does that, uh, and he joins us each and every Thursday at 1235 to promote the Brewers Unfiltered podcast on your Odyssey app and on big uh, on the uh, Brewers.com website. Uh, and Gary Ellerson started off by asking him, hey, man, back in the day when you were a player and you were at this moment in time and, you know, if, if you weren't in the All-Star game or participating or whatever the case may be, what did you use this time for uh, during, you know, All-Star week? Ooh. Uh, yeah, probably this right here. I never got to go to it. I went to one all-star game in 2006 in double A. Uh-huh. Um, and that was, that was the only one. So pretty much, you know, probably what a lot of the guys right now are doing, they just, they go home and they completely don't even tap into that brain part of baseball. It's almost like for three or four days, uh, you just live a normal life like you would in the off season and you kind of forget about baseball. That's probably the best thing to do. I don't know if you're hearing any of this buzz, but of course we're on the radio, we hear a lot of it, but it feels like there's a lot of negativity with the fans surrounding the Milwaukee Brewers. I think we had one caller and said, it's the worst first place team in Major League Baseball. <laughs> what is wrong with these people? Why do you feel that there, it just feels like there's a lot of, I would call it negative, stuff surrounding energy for me from the fans surrounding the Milwaukee Brewers, although they're in first place and the fans feels like they're not satisfied with that. 
Well, I mean, first place is first place. All they're called to do is to, you know, be at top of their division, uh, you know, going in, going into the playoffs. So really that's the only goal we saw last year. Craig council was, you know, willing to get guys rest to kind of lead into the playoffs. I think he'll probably do it a little bit differently if he can, but this team's overcome so many injuries. Um, I want to, I don't want to say that they're lucky to be at the top, but I'm saying they strategically got there and you know, it's tough to stay there once you're in first, but uh, they'll get some guys back. There'll be some changes going on. Um, they'll, everyone should be excited about the second half. The Brewers did their job in the first half and now it's time to really, you know, kind of lay the hammer down going into uh, the second half of the season. Talking with Tim Dillard, Valley Sports, Wisconsin, Brewers pre and post game hose. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, at Dim Tillard. So a lot of um, talk uh, about what happened with the balk or non-balk on Saturday night with Gustave. What did you make of it? Did you think it was a balk? I didn't. It's not a a balk. That right there is just the result of an umpire. Maybe they thought they saw something uh, and then just deciding to inflict that at that moment, if he doesn't call anything, no one says a word. No one. It was on no one's radar. Uh, they were looking for something that wasn't there. Years ago, I was in uh, again in Double A in 2014. I was the oldest guy in the league, and you have a you know two or three man crew. I think a two man crew in Double A. So the guys behind me, I have a man on base. There's a guy behind me, the umpire, and he. I come up and I come set and I go to pitch and he calls a balk, and I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, yeah, your hands, you didn't come set. And I was like, you're behind me. You can't even see that. You're just assuming it. So we went back and looked at the film after the game, and sure enough, it was not a balk by any stretch of the imagination. That right there, Gustave, it was not a balk. Only that, that right there comes from an umpire trying to look for something that isn't there. And uh, it, it never goes well uh, when umpires try to anticipate or look for something that doesn't exist. Tim, can you explain to me, and maybe I'm a little off, Steve. You got to help me with this scenario, Steve. Then they send uh, Kiston Hera down. Yes. Was that a couple games ago? Yes. Before the All Star break, we've got three catchers, right, Steve, on the roster. Uh, we we received a lot of phone calls on on that type of situation there, and that maybe they thought the, the whole thing is, and maybe kissing hair they're doing this to him and he's going to lose confidence because he doesn't know what his place is on the team and he's been moved around and and i try explaining these people that when they call your number you got to be ready to play whether you're batting eighth ninth first second whatever it is you got to be ready to go a lot of fans don't this is not little league a lot of fans don't understand that when wherever they call you to bat, you got to be ready to go, and you're not out back sulking somewhere and being like a little spoiled brat. Well, he actually is, you know, up until you know he got sent down. Where he was with the team, like he was just on the, the taxi squad or the emergency squad or whatever they call it. Uh, he was in the dugout. He's like takes batting practice, so he's there. It's not like they sent him to AAA at that moment, and we're like, you know. Yeah, you're. This is punishment or something. No, that for for players, uh, especially to be close to the team, they have to they have to be around. And if they're not rehabbing something, they don't have to go far. You could maybe it's just a couple of days. Maybe it's just All Star break. He'll be back soon. And plus, for the fans and for all of us, they know about stuff that we don't know. Whatever they're telling Keston here, 
there's, we don't know about it. They may be saying, hey, we got some moves coming. You may be our guy going forward. Or, hey, maybe we're trading you. They, all sorts of conversations are going on. But, um, yeah, I think the, the age of, of the minor leaguer that kind of sulks, I, I think that's kind of done with. The way they've set up baseball now, you don't really have an older group of guys that are sitting in AAA just rotting, right? Like, once I retired, I think that was they're all done now. <laughs> <laughs> this guy here. Talking with Tim Diller, Valley Sports, Wisconsin Brewers, pre and post game host. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Dim Tillard. I, I look here. I, from my perspective, and uh, Tim may disagree with me on this. I, I just, see. I, I just, I don't think there's much they can do to really change this team in a dramatic fashion at the trade deadline. I, I don't think. I mean, I Soto, okay, fine, but I mean that's not realistic. So put that aside. But, but I mean, outside of that, they're just. I don't think Tim Dillard is that guy that is going to make a earth-shattering difference of when that person gets put in the lineup, it's going to change everything. I think the only way this team gets better is if two or three guys on this team um, you know, take a huge step forward in the second half uh, offensively and start putting up numbers that are reminiscent to kind of what these guys have done past years in their career. Well, I mean, they just got Hunter Renfro back. He was a big pickup. The guy that had 260 last year with 100 RBIs and 30 home runs. So, I mean, he's on pace to have something similar to that despite missing a couple weeks. Uh, Willie Adamas is coming around. We're seeing Rowdy Telez in a full season with the Brewers as, as an everyday starter. That's pretty amazing. If the team made no moves and just got, like, uh, you know, Adrian Hauser back and, and pitching like he did last year, um, and, you know, just, just guys getting healthy, Freddie Peralta, just getting those guys back. If they made zero moves, they would still be good, and they're probably going to finish first in the Central. So, to me, I have to disagree, because if they go out and make one move that, you know, improves one spot, uh, then they're going to be even better. And they're going to have to do something, I think. I don't really know what it is. I don't know what they have uh, in mind, but we all love to play GM and speculate yeah. what they're going to do. Uh, but there's no way of knowing uh, exactly what. But I think to tr they're either going to have to go for a big splash or just make minor upgrades. And I think they're going to go for minor upgrades, but you're going to see the dividends pay off in the playoffs. What about Josh Hader, Tim? Uh, you know, some Brewer fans are a little bit concerned about Josh Hader heading into the All-Star break. Uh, a couple blow-ups there late in the game. I'm not really all that concerned. Uh, is there anything you're seeing that leads you to believe that there's something he has to do to adjust or change? Or what did you make of it? Well, I think for the casual fan, they turn on the TV and they're like, this is what they know about Josh Hader. And then they see it not go that way. And they're like, what's going on? Um, but as a player, dude, the middle of the season, there's a reason there's an all-star break. Your body's just tired. Your mind is tired. Your spirit's tired. This guy's a new dad. Um, he's going through a lot just off the field, right? Like in all the stuff that comes, anybody that has a kid, uh, you don't just, you know, push pause on your whole life. So I think a break is just all he needs to just kind of recharge every uh, battery supply that he has. And I think he'll be fine. There's de there's no reason for concern whatsoever. His velocity is there. Um, it was just more of a command issue. I guarantee it's just the workload um, because the guy is an all-star for a reason. And he leads the league in saves for a reason. This guy has uh, done his job. And, and you know what? So what? He faltered a few times. It, it happens. How many times is, you know, uh, you know, we've, you know, failed or whatever, but I think the whole thing is moving forward and going, okay, all that's forgotten. Now it's time to get down to business and he'll be ready. No, be, there's no reason for concern. Josh Hader's uh, still uh, one of the best relievers in all of baseball. No, we're totally agree with you. Uh, 
when you look at Yash, I think he may be one of the most puzzling guys that I've seen. I mean, well, I guess we've seen this in baseball, but for a guy that MVP type of guy uh, to lead off here to where he is right now, do we see this kind of drop off happen a lot in Major League Baseball? I think at times, uh, you know, a lot of times you get your your contract for the stuff you did in the past. Correct. So, I mean, he had a good career. Brewers paid him a bunch of money, whatever that is, for however many years. And the guy was, you know, for two years straight, probably the best player in baseball. Was, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, and then he, you know, injures himself. And, you know, anytime that happens, you don't really know what you're going to get out of that. And so I think he's scuffled the last few years. And then now they stick him in the leadoff spot. And this guy can do nothing but get on base. Um, it's obviously not maybe what they want. They would rather him be, Hey, be what you were three years ago, you know, be what you were four years ago. That's a tough thing. That's a tough thing for a baseball player to replicate because you're not the same player. Um, you know, when pitching throughout my career, uh, I would come back to spring training and I'm like, where's my fastball? You know, I'm holding it right. I'm doing everything right. But for whatever reason, you're, you're older and you're wiser, maybe you're stronger or weaker. I don't know. Uh, but the ball comes out just a little bit different. You start tweaking, you know, just how you grip a baseball. It's those minute details. Uh, but I think what they're getting out of him is a lot. I think his production is going to go up. We're seeing him play a ton of games. Um, he's only going to get better setting records and career records for walks and stolen bases. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a special second half, actually. Uh, can we talk about Colton Wong? Because I, 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 I don't know if I've seen this very often. I mean, this is a gold glove. Uh, type guy at second base uh, and has always been one of the better second basemen defensively in, in the bigs. And now all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, now he has struggled somewhat at second base this year. Can you put your finger on it? I can't. I can't. I, I don't think it's a an injury-related thing. Uh, this this is kind of common, you know, with, with some infielders. Like they just – maybe it's a lot of pressure. I don't know. Um, as far as, you know, what it about the everyday fielding or something like that, I wouldn't say it's a physical thing. I would say it's probably just a mental thing of just being unsure about, you know, getting rid of the ball. I know exactly what you're talking about. He'll field the ball um, and then he'll go to put it somewhere and like he'll drop it. Or, you know, maybe he's thinking too, too far ahead, like, oh, I got to turn this double play, but then forget to catch it, you know, stuff like that. I don't know. Um, it's not from a lack of hard work because we see him every day before – uh, batting practice, taking the ground balls, working on the double plays. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know. I just don't think it's physical, though. I think we've seen it manifest itself pretty much throughout the entire season. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what that is all about. The other thing, uh, we talk about this starting rotation. I think after last year, Brewers fans came into this uh, year, Tim Diller, thinking, okay, well, uh, you know, Lauer and Hauser and uh, Woodruff and Baralt and these guys are all going to kind of be – uh, the same as they were last year, this year, and it's going to be just as dominant. Obviously, it hasn't necessarily turned out that way. Peralta got hurt. Uh, Woodruff has been up and down, plus he was hurt at one point. Uh, Hauser hasn't been the same. Lauer seems like he's starting to get things back together uh, the last couple of outings. Where's your confidence level in this starting rotation for the second half? Well, you see what Woodruff has done since he's come back from his injury, and I think that's exactly what you're going to see from Adrian Hauser when he comes back. Uh, I think that's exactly what you're going to see from Freddie Peralta when he comes back. I mean, I, I think this this starting staff is going to be at full force here over the next month, and that should be exciting because, I mean, what the last thing you want um, at times is five guys that have 200-plus innings at the end of the year, and they're all tired, right? Like, that's a, 
that's kind of a tough gig sometimes. So they're going to actually have some guys that are semi-fresh. Uh, that could that could really help them uh, for like going deep into the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, you don't ever want a guy to get hurt, but you got to see the bright side of it is that they are going to have some fresh arms. And who knows, you know, what their pitch counts are going to be. But you could always put Freddie Peralta in the pen or Hauser. Um, you know, these guys have experience there. So I don't know. I think people forget exactly how good they are and how how big of a chunk um, that took out of the starting rotation with those guys getting hurt. There is Tim Dillard from earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show. Hey, everybody, don't forget to download that Odyssey app. When you get there, check out the podcast, Baldy's Breakdowns. Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora discuss the latest across the NFL, including Baldy's game breakdown of player personnel and the best guests in the industry. It's the insight behind every play from the industry's leading experts. Check out Baldy's Breakdowns, a special live podcast coming up this Monday morning, July 25th at 9 o'clock clock central time get ready for the season with baldy's breakdowns on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast at up next toby altizer tells us what's coming up next on the fan afternoon show Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM. The fan, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, along with Toby Altizer coming up with the fan afternoon show next. Toby, what you got coming up at three? Well, of course, we got to recap the home run derby since my guy Juan Soto won. So did we'll you talk pick about... him to win? No, I did not. Then he's not your guy. Let's just stop <laughs> I that wanted right him. now. I wanted him to win. Mm, I picked Schwarber. Uh, talk to AR. He said you didn't pick him. <laughs> Don't call him your guy. He's not your guy. If he was your guy, you would have picked him. He's no still in what. D.C. I have uh, to celebrate him for the next for month or two. Yeah, maybe for now. Until he ends up with the Dodgers, probably. Uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. But we will talk a little bit about maybe him getting traded. Just different things about Major League Baseball. I got some complaints I want to air out there oh, in good. the first hour. So we'll get those out there. And the second hour, we'll talk about the Packers and who maybe some of the motor- more underrated players are for them going into this season. Bart Winkler will join the show coming up at 4.30. Got a fun draft mockery plan with him. We're going to do like a cage match of Marvel characters. Oh, yes. Sam promoted this last week, I remember, yeah, saying that you guys were going to do that it this should year. should be fun. So explain what that means when you say cage match of characters. Yeah, I mean, basically just pretty simple. You so put like them all in the, a cage. Like the and, toughest Marvel characters. Yeah, you put them all in a cage, and your team hopefully comes out on top. Right. Who would win a cage fight, essentially? So we'll see what happens yeah. with that. That should be fun to see what happens there. And uh, talk a little bit about the All-Star game tonight as well. So basically talk Brewers, baseball, uh, in general, and then some Packers football as well. I'm going to ask you a question that we uh, asked to lead off the big show. Which of the big three sports do you believe have the best young stars? Again, coming off last night um, with Soto and Julio Rodriguez and these guys that they have in Major League Baseball. You have the NBA with uh, their young guys uh, that are on the way up. The NFL loaded with young quarterbacks and young I wide receivers. So you would say the NFL. I think the NBA promotes them best, but I think the NFL because you have Josh Allen, Herbert, Mahomes. Burrow, I think they ran into Chase. that. Just yeah. all those guys being such studs right at the right time right. as the old regime passes off. Because for a while there, we were like, Who's going to be this next? Who's level? the next quarterback? Yeah, who's yes. going to be those next guys? And then this real regime has come in. So I think it's got to be the NFL. He is Toby Altizer, C Sparky Fiverr. Fan Afternoon Show is up next here on 1250 AM. The Fan. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow at 10 on the Wendy's Big Show. Toodles. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 